Judy, I need to remember to contact Maury or Good evening, brethren. Um, those who are present, those online, God bless you. We're glad you're here as we uh, continue in uh, a lesson on life enrichment. We are look thankful to God for this opportunity uh, in service tonight. Let's please go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for being so kind to us. Though we know we're not deserving of your kindness, and yet it's just because of who you are. We praise your holy and divine name. And Lord God, we give ourselves to you. We ask that you will cleanse us. That you'll clear our minds of worldly thoughts and help us to be able to settle down for just a moment to hear your word being read that we might glean from it the riches of your grace and the riches that you will supply to us. We're asking, Lord God, for your blessings upon us to have and find that inward peace that surpasses all comprehension. The peace, Lord God, that's in the midst of chaos. As you have said, that you will lay a table in the presence of our enemies. And we thank you for that. Thank you for Jesus, your great son. Thank you for your wonderful Holy Spirit. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee if it be thy will. Amen. Hebrews um, chapter 6 tonight. So whatever is Philippians 4 8 whatever is whatever is true whatever is we're talking about that which is an absolute so the profound absolute and that is whatever is and what is is God Jesus is the Holy Spirit is the Father is the fullness of deity is and that's where we get our purity and our virtue and our praise and our understanding and so we jump down to Hebrews 6 in verse 18 in order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We may have strong encouragement, we who have fled for refuge and laying hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The stability of life is only found in Christ Jesus. Can't find it anywhere else. Man, mankind, millionaires pay to find it. Can't find it anywhere else. You can't find it on the greatest uh, seashores and beaches. You can't find it in the greatest vacation destinations. I mean, all the things on the earth become boring and mundane over time. The peace that we're looking for, that stability that we're looking for is not found in money. It's not found in fame. It's only found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's found in God. Because something about God is important. That's very different and unique. And that is that God is unchangeable. And he has unchangeable promises. And they have been set and they are sure. In fact, God says they are an anchor. So they are our anchor to the soul. And why do we need an anchor anyway? You know, why do we as humans need and anchor. Well, because our lives are like shifting sand. I mean, one day it's great, the next day there's something else. I mean, look at today. Today there's COVID. Uh, what, what's, what's there going to be later? The pandemics have been here on the earth and have come and they've gone, they've come and they've gone. Goodness has been here. 
And then other situations have been here. It just comes and it goes and we're, we're tossed to and fro. And God says, I don't want his, your, the children to be tossed to and fro. So I am the anchor that holds them sure, that holds us in a concrete place. We need an anchor because our hearts are, are very easily, um, at times we go adrift, right? You know, we, we try to stay. We try to stay put. But then someone comes along and ruffles our feathers just a little bit. And we lose sometimes. We lose hold of that anchor because we're not as secure to the anchor as the anchor would like to be secure to us. We need an anchor because it's far too easy to satisfy us as humans, if you think about it. right? It's just far too easy. Uh, Jesus found no satisfaction on the earth. He found the satisfaction uh, in doing the will of the Father. But for us, we're just too, we're too far easily satisfied. Uh, it doesn't take much to thrill us and to excite us on this earth. And so we need an anchor to hold on to us and to hold us constant and still. You know a person that is struggling with um, with depression, struggling in life right now, people who are struggling, who are having difficulty, and people who are just doing great, living life with the whole and the fullness and doing well, yet though on opposite ends of the spectrum, both peoples need the exact same thing. And that one thing is the thing that seems to be kind of lacking in our world today. And I want to talk about it because through Christ, through God, this one thing is steadfast. It is sure. It will always be there. We can always count on it. And it's something that no man can live without. It's love. Love. When you think of God and you think of stability, is it absolutely impossible to think of God and stability and not think about love? Because God is love. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. Everything that you think of that uh, surrounds itself around Jesus is love. There's not one thing that you can think of about Jesus and about God the Father that doesn't surround itself around Love. Even the fiery pits of hell, there's even love. And that's, that's set for another subject another day. But for right now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want you just for a moment to think about what are you hearing in the world today? We're hearing uh, division. We're hearing hatred. We're hearing, uh, you know, chaos and everything else you can imagine. And it's the absence of love, right? Look at verse 1. I speak with the tongues of, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I, if I give all my possessions to feed the, the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Just absolutely nothing. And you know what we're hearing? We hear this loud, we're going to First John uh, for just a moment. Um, we hear this loud, clanging cymbal. That's what I hear. I hear a lot of noise, a lot of racket. I don't hear peace. There's a lot of chaos. I don't see peace. Not in our world today. And why not? Because our world is missing God. And when the world misses God, 
the world misses love. You see, you can't have God without love. And in America, unfortunately, we have said what? God leave us, right? We take God out of everywhere. When you take God out, you can automatically know that hatred and chaos will follow. We've done it to ourselves, and it's it's pretty sad, and it's heart-wrenching. But when you think about it, we can't blame God. No one can say, God, what are you doing? God, have you forgotten us? No, we can't do that. Because we ourselves, Americans, we have said, God, we don't need you in our schools. We don't need you in prayer. We don't need you in here. We don't need you there. And so we've done it to ourselves. And when you leave God, we leave love. And when you leave love, all you hear is a bunch of noise. Angry streets. A lack of love. Even, Lord, even, even unfortunately, in the Lord's church, a lot of noise. Not a whole lot of love, right? Love. When you think of God, you think about life enrichment. Life enrichment can never be life enrichment if it doesn't have God. Meditate on these things. Philippians 4 and verse 8 cannot be fulfilled without God. It cannot be fulfilled without love. Love. The very thing that we're missing in our world and in the church, unfortunately, in many places today. Verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And it's interesting when you, as you continue to read this, and God gives us really good and great practical information, and we're going to find out what love really is in a moment. Um... It's amazing how he, he compares life and says, you know, if, if there's another human being that you can, you can handle, you can touch, you can see, you can speak audibly to, you can hear the sound of their voices, you can, you can watch their, their demeanor, their dress, learn their character, et cetera, et cetera. And God says, if you can't love that person that you realize that you're the same, it's impossible to love God. Isn't that amazing to think about that? That God is saying that in order for us to really be what God wants us to be, to really, really grasp an understanding of life, to have the fullest and abundant life, we have to learn to love not only God, but we have to learn to love two others, our neighbors and ourselves, right? So listen to what it goes on to say in verse 16. It says, and we have come to know and have believed love, which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. 
If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Selfless love, right? Selfless love. So the church, the church is this this beautiful entity, this body of believers that shows the world the opposite of what the world presents. The church shows the world how to love each other. You know, the early church had uh, a reputation of of being uh, really in love with each other. And even the Romans accused the early church uh, as, as being a little too friendly uh, with each other uh, because they met at night and they met in, you know, in dark rooms, the caves, catacombs, because they were in hiding, uh, you know, things like that. But that wasn't what was going on in those places. They were truly in love, the love of Jesus. They had a love for each other so much so that they were willing to die for one another and die for God. The church was this beautiful example that when someone suffered Every, in fact, go to Romans 12. When one person suffered, they all suffered together because they were selfless in their love and they were willing to serve one another. How willing are you to serve? How willing? I mean, think about it. I, I, I mean, I'm going to just, oh, here we go, stepping out there. Our elders have said, please, we need your help. How many of you have said, I need to go help? I mean, how willing are you to serve? Right? They serve each other in so many ways. The song we sing, I don't remember what it's called, but in it, it uh, contains the verse that says, none of self and all of thee. What does it take for us to get to that point in our relationship with God? None of self, none of me, and all of God in my life. All of God. Well, Romans 12, I just, you have to love. It's all about transformation, isn't it? It's about Transformation in relationships, transformation in our own minds, transformation in our bodies, transformation in our homes, and transformations in the body of Christ. And so God tells us in verse 9, by way of inspiration, speaking of love, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another be not haughty, or do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Never take out your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. 
For in so doing you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, I'm sad to say, and it really isn't funny, but if Jesus said to us, he who is without sin, let him throw the first stone, I'd duck. Because <laughs> I don't know who's going to throw the stone at me, right? Because, church, here's what we're lacking. What the church is lacking is there are people at home whom some are clinically depressed, and, and that's a, another issue within itself, but they need a lot of help. And then there are others who are depressed, maybe mildly depressed, maybe even majorly depressed, but they're depressed and they need us to look out for each other by making a phone call, sending a card, some type of contact so that they can stay connected. And you know, one of the hardest things for a person who's dealing with depression to do is to reach out to someone else. You know, it's hard for that. So we need to be there for each other. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, what God is saying is we're not supposed to be Facebook friends in love. We're supposed to be real friends in love. We're supposed to be brethren. And when someone has a need, we are supposed to be there for each other. And for some who maybe they've lost their hope, boy, what a great opportunity for us to reach in there and strengthen those who need to be strengthened. And then be strengthened ourselves by, by others to bless those who need the blessing. What a gift it is from God to weep with those who weep. We have our, some brethren who are, who are struggling right now because of COVID and, and death. I mean, it's right there. And then other situations in life, brethren, we've got to be there for each other. This is not a pandemic where we as God's people run and scatter like, like roaches. I don't know if you know what roaches. <laughs> this is a time where we gather ourselves together, and hold on to each other. This is a time where we shine, church. This is where we shine. This is what the world is looking for and what the world needs. They don't understand love. But we do, right? This is our chance. This is our evangelistic opportunity to show love, to be there for each other. To think about our brethren. Think before we speak. Think before we act. To be there. To build each other up. To grow one another. To be the opposite of the clanging sound that you hear in the world. But rather in the Lord's church. In the Lord's church. We're that silent partner of God. The world sees us and says, I want that peace and tranquility that I can only find in God. I can't find it anywhere else. We don't jump on the bandwagon. We stay constant and consistent with our Lord. So back to love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to what he goes on to say about about love. These are characteristics of love. We're going to talk more about this love uh, in action in just just a moment. Verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag, it is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it's not provoked, it does not take into account wrong suffered, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is our this is our golden, amazing opportunity for people to see the peace of God. In the midst of a chaotic world, 
that peace in Philippians chapter 4 that we're looking at, that peace that surpasses all comprehension, the world needs to look at us and see, brethren, that we have that peace. We have something to offer the world. The world has absolutely nothing to offer to us. And until we get that mindset, until we get that understanding, and until we surrender to God in that way, maybe they'll never know. Maybe they'll never see. Maybe, maybe some folks in the church might say, you know, I, right now I'm so depressed and I'm, so, I'm struggling and, and no one, no one's reached out to me. And I, I know it's a two-way streak. You know, you say, well, they never told us they were struggling. And I get that, and you're right. Because, brother, we need that. We need to be uh, open in our communication. And if you're struggling, um, I encourage you, don't wallow in the mire. Get up, make a phone call, let somebody know. There's too much technology today. Today you could just text help, if nothing else, right? You could call the office and just say, please, somebody call me, or just... I mean, it's, we can use our technology to reach one another. And so find the strength, if you are struggling at home, find the strength to let us know. And we can be there for you, whatever your need might be. And maybe, maybe it's not going to be me. Maybe it won't be uh, a one elder or the other. Maybe it'll be someone else, but it will be someone. Because the Bible tells us that we have to consider ourselves when we reach out to others. Make sure that we're strong enough and we are the right fit, if you will, to help you in your current situation, to be there for each other. Galatians chapter 5, to be there for each other as God's people. That's what we, people, humans, as we go through struggles and, and depression and anxiety and other things like that in life, that's where we get the opportunity as God's people to shine, where we are the fruit of the Spirit. We show the fruit of God in us. So look down, if you will, at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things there is no law. This is our chance to show goodness, right? The goodness of God. Wow, brethren. You want to make brethren smile. Love is the key. Love is against. That's the one thing that everyone needs. You know, it's true about humans that they say, if you take, if you have an infant and you leave that infant to itself, you don't hold it, you don't talk to it, you don't care for it, it will die. And I'm thankful I've never seen that happen. But I've had foster kids and I've seen that. I've seen that. And I'm saddened over it. I mean, it's so true that we desperately, we grow up, it doesn't change. We desperately need each other just as we desperately need God. So reach out. Reach out to each other. Reach out uh, to God. Let's turn over to um, James uh, chapter 3. Reach out to each other. Reach out to God. Stay in prayer. Uh, pray for one another. Think about each other. Uh, remember one another. And, and just know that, that just because today has been a wonderful day for me, meaning there hasn't been some catastrophic, catastrophic event in my life today, maybe, maybe someone else, maybe someone else has had that. Right? Maybe someone else needs that, that little bit of encouragement just to, just to get them over the hump. 
Let's, let's be there for each other. And you know, encouragement uh, and, and strength is something that all of us can give because we get it from the Lord, right? All of us have a little bit. So use the little that we have to help someone else, right? And God will do what? He'll replenish us. He always does, right? He'll always make us fit for the deed that he sets us on as far as the mission that may be before us. James chapter 3 and verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so, peace is something, Psalm what 34 I think it is, says pursue peace, right? Seek peace and pursue after it. It's something that we have to seek after. Peace isn't going to just fall into our laps. It's something you got to seek after. You have to want peace. You have to want to bring peace into the heart of someone else. So, for example, when um, at home and, and you're having maybe conflict in the home, someone has to be the one to say sorry. Right? Someone has to be the one to seek out that opportunity for peace. Someone has to show the love. Someone has to show the forgiveness. Peace must be sought after. God wants his children to seek after the wisdom from above because it's pure. And it's everything that God wants us to be. It's where we shine. First Peter, uh, second Peter actually. Yep, second Peter chapter three, verse uh, 17. Listen to what it says. Speaking of, of God's grace. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and today, to the day of eternity. To grow in God's grace and mercy. That's something we have to do. So we seek peace and we grow together at the same time. Now look back, look at chapter 1. And that wasn't on the screen, but you can go back and grab it um, in your Bibles. Listen to what it says. Second Peter 1. I mean, uh, yeah, chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 4. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. He gave us everything, the Bible says. Verse 4. For by these He has granted to us His precious, magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So, we have escaped. Yes, let's continue. Because God has given us everything, everything that we need to make it through today. Everything. It's already supplied. And so we don't have to sit back and worry and wonder like the rest of the world. No. This is something that we get to grow in because God has promised and God has delivered. He always will. He always has. He's never forgotten. He never will forget. Now, I want to go to chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm steering up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Here God is saying, this is something you already know. In other words, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. We know it, but 
The text says, this is my reminder to you. A reminder to you to do those things that we know that God expects of us and that God wants us to do. Love. To love each other. To love one another. So whatever is, whatever is true, whatever is, but we're still thinking about whatever is. God is. Right? God is. So let's think about this. John chapter 14. Let's think about not just this life, the life that we're living in right now. Let's not just think about this. Because then I'm thinking about myself, right? Think about this life, think about my, myself, my family, the local congregation. You get kind of stuck in this little shell. But there's a whole world out there, right? There, there are whole, there's a whole world of brethren. There's a, so many of uh, the Lord's churches all over the world. And then there's the heavenly bit. So God wants us to be able to reach outside of self and think about all that God is. Now, all that God has made, all that God has created, including the heavens. And, and, and though John 14, verse 1 and 2, is a scripture we've read over and over and over again, I'm not sure anyone can really explain it. I mean, it's elementary, from an elementary level, we can easily explain it because it says what it says and it means what it means, but it means a whole lot more than we think. So John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, believe in God, believe also in me. And by the way, that's, that goes back to John 13, where Peter has um, uh, been told by Jesus that he's going to deny him. Uh, and then Peter says, I'll die with you. And Jesus reminds him when, he, when, when that hour comes and you're crying because you've denied me three times, you're going to need this verse. So he says to Peter, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house, verse 2, uh, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. So the question is, did Jesus prepare a second? I mean, what he, I thought it was already done, right? the creation. And then, but then he says, I go prepare a place for you. So is there another preparatory place that, did he go back to heaven and make it better? What did he do? When he went to prepare a place. What place did he prepare? Paradise is already there. Heaven already exists. So what did he prepare? I don't really know the answer to that question. But I do know this. If after Jesus came to the earth as a man and suffered and struggled and gone through all the temptations and trials that we've been through. And then he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There must be something special about that place. right? Right? There must be something unique about that place. There is something special and unique about this place that Jesus says, I go to prepare for you, for the people whom he loves. We have been through it, right? We've been through struggles. We've been through trials and and difficulties. And God knows it. God knows it. And now Jesus, not only knowing it, here's another one of those, uh, you know, things. (laughs) Now he knows what it's like to suffer, but so, so wait, no, because see, God knows all things, right? No, see, there's some things God, God has access to all knowledge, but God can choose not to know some things. Like, I'll remember your sins no more. So that means he know, he doesn't know them any longer. Thank God for that. And there's so many other things we could talk about on that subject. But here now, he's a, he's, a, 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 there's something different. And it's amazing. And then he promises us heaven. He says, I got a place for you that you don't want to miss. So there comes the idea that heaven is just too good to miss, right? 
in life as we struggle together. Some, not that some struggle necessarily more than others, but in a way, you know, we always can find someone with the worst problem. You ever sat down and, uh, let's go to Psalm 19. Um, you ever sat down with someone and began to talk about your problems and then they started talking about their problems and then you just kind of shut up? Because you were like, wow, you're really suffering, <laughs> you know. I remember when I was uh, in, in a place um, and uh, actually I was in Africa and we were discussing, they were preparing us for a place that we were going to go and visit and it was a really, really horrible place as far as uh, poverty and and destitution and struggle and difficulty. And, and here's what was amazing about this discussion. What was amazing about this discussion is people who are already poor, like really poor, abject poverty, were telling us these folks are really poor. And we were like, well, wait, well, wait, how much worse can it get? And well, that's a dumb question to ask, isn't it? My point is that when I think about my struggles, I, I can always find someone who's struggling more than I am. Right? So it's not, it's not a, you know, it's, it's not about trying to figure out who struggles the most. It's just to understand that all of us struggle. All of us struggle. So let's try to be there for each other instead of worrying about, well, my struggles are, are so deep and so horrible and I'm so, so deeply in despair that there's no one worse than me. No, the reality is there probably is someone that's worse than you or at least at the same level as you, as me. So instead, we've got to try to find the ability to reach out, to be active, to do something that's good and positive. It makes us feel good to be able to give something to someone else. And if all that you have to give is your love, you've given all, right? Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Psalm 19, beginning at verse verse 1. Think about what God has made. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of a chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. I think about, you know, I wanted to go here but thinking about the sun. Think about how much we love the sun. I mean, we, sun, in Alaska, we, this is special to us. Because <laughs> when darkness hits, you know, winter's coming. When the darkness hits, ah, oh, we get excited about the sun. When it comes back, right? We look forward to what February, February 18th, you know, where it's still kind of cold, but at least there's more light, right? We get excited about that. And then as there's more light coming, we get more and more excited. And then if we go on vacation in the wintertime, we, we're excited because of the sunlight. And it's a gift. It's a gift to us. And, and maybe it was taken for granted of while I lived, while you lived in the lower 48, if you did. And it's always there. But that's the point. It's always there. God is always there. Whatever 
is. We're thinking about the greatness of our God now. Because He is. And that's what gives us the inner strength to continue. And we can look around the earth and look at nature and see the beauty and the blessings of our God. Psalm chapter uh, 95. Psalm 95. Verse, uh, verse 4 in verse 5. The very things that you love on this earth. What a gift that God has given to us. Psalm 95 verses 4 in verse 5. In whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for it was he who made it and his hands formed the dry land. Those verses and the verses before and after are so powerful. They made a song about it. We sang the song. To remind us of the greatness of our God. Right? How? God is wonderful. Psalm 104. To think about, to dwell on whatever is. Can take you a lifetime just to start right there and say, God is. And then fill in the blank. Verse 24. I should say blanks. Because there's a whole lot of those. Oh Lord. How many are thy works in wisdom? Thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy possessions. There is the sea, great and broad, in which it are swarmed without number, animals both small and great, the greatness of our God. Whatever is. Turn to Ephesians, please, chapter 4. Whatever is. Whatever is. This is what my mind needs to focus and dwell on whatever is. Whatever is. And then we'll get to whatever is true and whatever is honorable and whatever is lovely and whatever is... But whatever is. Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 21. If indeed you've heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, Laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So God, God has placed a boundary, and thank God for this boundary, on our minds of what it is that we should dwell upon. There's a bound, we need limitations and boundaries, we need them. And God has given us these boundaries and this, and this limitation and you know, everything that we're going to read about in Philippians 4, uh, verses 8 and verse 9, so actually, Philippians 4, 4 through verse 9, surrounds itself around Jesus. Every bit of it, every ounce of it, every word, every tittle, every jot, surrounds itself around Jesus. And to see the new self, you see, the old man, the old man is dead, right? You're a Christian. The old man died in that watery grave. He went down into that water 
and the blood of Jesus washed the sins away. And, and the old man received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the old man stayed in that water and was resurrected. And the new man has come. And then you were made a member of the body of Christ. And what a, what a blessing. So in the newness of the, of the Spirit, in the newness of the Spirit, in the newness of life, we find this, this inner ability to rejoice on things that we weren't able to rejoice on, to focus our lives in Jesus, to focus our thoughts on Jesus, because now we have something good to focus on. Now we have something that's pure and holy and true to focus on. I, I know you step away and say, well, I, I, I used to focus on this, and I, and I focused on that, and I get it, but now we have something that's sure and an anchor that holds us true to the truth, and the truth is God. And the truth sets us free. And God is everything. And the more that we know about Jesus, the easier it will be to identify anything and everything that doesn't look like Jesus. To be able to identify anything and everything that doesn't smell like Jesus. To be able to identify Everything that doesn't feel like Jesus, everything that doesn't sound like Jesus, as God's people, we should be able to step away and say, that is not Jesus. And if it's not Jesus, who is it? Satan. So we stay clear of it, right? The new man, the new man recognizes things that the old man couldn't see. The new man identifies with God in a way that brings a peace that surpasses all comprehension because of prayer, because of faithfulness, because of trust. I'm going to close this out in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 5. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Everything, right? Where where every single thing is now held captive, and we are accountable. Judy, that's going to be the last slide. We are accountable. So I'm accountable to God for my actions and for my thoughts. And only to God. And you are accountable to God for your actions and your thoughts and only to God. Right? And then we are accountable to each other. To help each other. To grow each other. And the beauty in it is that none of us, not one of us, are perfect. And we all need help. And that's why we're here for each other. And so, as the, is the beauty of marriage, where I find myself weak, thank God my wife is strong. And then wherever she finds, never mind, she has no weaknesses. But anyway, where I find myself weak, she is strong. What a gift. All the men agree, by the way. I just want you all ladies to know that. What a gift, right? What a gift to have each other. Now, greater than that, God is always strong. And so we're asking you tonight to 
to put your faith and trust in God, to seek out the love of God, and then to display that love also, to display that love of God to others so they can see God in you. And if you're not a Christian tonight, we uh, invite you to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. Uh, Surrender to Him. Give your life to God. Allow Him to wash you clean. And if you are a Christian and you may be struggling in your faith, if there's something that we can do for you, just make it known. Make it known. Allow us to pray with you, pray for you. Make it known. The elders are there. The deacons are there. The preachers are there. We're all there. The Christians are there. We're all there for each other. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for your time this evening.